0: Have you been wondering where God is lately? Every day feels overwhelming with new worries and challenges. We turn on the news and we hear about peaceful protests and violent lootings. We hear about police brutality and the murders of our black brothers and sisters. We hear about strange new forms of bees and insects called murder hornets volcanoes in Yellowstone Park, a tropical storm that's going to end up in the Midwest. And in the background of it all is the ever-changing narrative and information about COVID-19 and both the precautions we need to continue taking and the ways in which we can resume some of our previous activities. It's exhausting and scary and heartbreaking and confusing and we wonder Why doesn't God just swoop down and clean everything up? Well, for one thing, that's not really how God works. If that's how it worked, then this would all be something very, very different. Instead, God asks us to be part of this work of bringing about the kingdom of God on earth. You and I are commissioned for this work at our baptisms. When the promise was made that we would proclaim Christ in word and deed, care for others and the world God made, and work for justice and peace. Our parents made these promises on our behalf. We took them up at our confirmations if that was part of our faith experience. These are significant pieces to the Christian faith and life. Matthew chapter 10 gives us some insight into what this might look like to proclaim Christ in word and deed, care for others in the world God made, and work for justice and peace. But to get the full perspective of that, we need to back up a little, a few verses into chapter 9. Jesus and his disciples have been traveling around the various cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, Announcing the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Then Jesus says this weird thing to the disciples He says, The size of the harvest is bigger than we can imagine, but there are few workers. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers for the harvest. Then, in the very next breath, the first verse of chapter 10, Jesus gives the disciples authority over unclean spirits authority to throw them out and to heal every disease and sickness. Then the narrator introduces the 12 disciples by name and calls them apostles, the ones who are sent. First Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the Cananean, and Judas, who betrayed Jesus. Colin Yuckman, in his commentary, explains that the list of names does not stand alone as a mere registry of the twelve, but it is an introduction to their apostleship charter. It's the introduction to Uh, what they are called to. In this way, we recognize that part of Jesus' own mission is to train followers to join the purposes for which his Father sent him. And the Apostle's very identity is born in the midst of this movement from Father to the Son to the world. It calls to mind Jesus' words in John, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And so, this emphasis on identity and mission continues after the list of names. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions He said, Don't go among the Gentiles or into a Samaritan city, go instead to the lost sheep, the people of Israel. As you go, make this announcement The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse those with skin diseases, and throw out demons. You received without having to pay, therefore give without demanding payment. Workers deserve to be fed, so don't gather gold or silver or copper coins for your money belts to take on your trips. Don't take a backpack for the road, or two shirts, or sandals, or a walking stick. Whatever city or village you go into, find somebody in it who is worthy and stay there until you go on your way. When you go into a house, say, peace. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if the house isn't worthy, take back your blessing. If anyone refuses to welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet as you leave that house or city. I assure you it will be more bearable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on Judgment Day than it will be for that city. Look, I am sending you as sheep among wolves, therefore be wise as snakes and innocent as doves. Watch out for people because they will hand you over to the councils and they will beat you in their synagogues. They will haul you in front of governors and even kings because of me so that you may give your testimony to them and the Gentiles. Whenever they hand you over, don't worry about what you will speak or what you will say, because what you can say will be given to you at that moment. You aren't doing the talking, but the spirit of my father is doing the talking through you. Brothers and sisters will hand each other over to be executed. A father will turn his child in. Children will defy their parents and have them executed. Everyone will hate you on account of my name. But whoever stands firm until the end will be saved. Whenever they harass you in one city, escape to the next, because I assure that you will not go through all the cities of Israel before the human one comes. There's a lot in those instructions that Jesus gives. But this mission that he has called them to, that he is instructing them on, is not one that they must work out on their own. Jesus gives these specific instructions so they know where to go and whom to visit, what to say and what to do. And we're left with a distinct impression that these 12 are defined by their participation in the ongoing movement of the kingdom into the world. But it will not be easy Because to be sent by Jesus is in some ways to be sent as Jesus, facing the same persecution and hardships and trials and difficulties. And this is the call to us too, perhaps with not these specific instructions, but to participate in the ongoing movement of God's kingdom into the world. We, too, are expected to resemble Jesus in word and deed as we live out our discipleship. And that creates difficult tensions that can even invade our own family structures. And though Jesus treats us with mercy and compassion, we are not promised a life without trial. We heard Jesus telling the disciples to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves and all of the ways that uh, these difficulties might manifest. If we were to think about the kingdom and the world as a Venn diagram, you know those two overlapping circles? The apostles, and we by extension, have been selected and instructed to occupy that overlap. And the intensity of that overlap is depicted in these instructions. Like sheep into the midst of wolves, Jesus is sending disciples. Where the work of God meets the trajectory of the world, the resistance is greatest, and this is exactly where we are sent, to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Author and theologian, Danielle Schroyer, writes about it in her book, Original Blessing, and I'd like to share that with you today. Jesus shows in his words an acceptance that we carry with us the very fruit of the Garden of Eden. We hold within us the knowledge of both good and evil. As we go forth as his disciples, our calling is not to banish the knowledge of evil, but to funnel it toward our pursuit of wisdom. Be wise as serpents, Jesus said. In a world where there is indeed sin and separation from God and one another, only wisdom will do. Be wise as a serpent when evil and sin crouch at your doorstep. Be wise as a serpent when vengeance or violence try to take root in your heart. Be wise as a serpent when systems of injustice threaten to catch us in their web. Be wise as a serpent when someone is trying to take advantage of you and all you can see is destruction in their eyes. Be wise as a serpent which carries within it both the poison that kills and the poison that heals. Only the wise know how much to use and when in order to find healing. And also be innocent as doves. Keep your heart as light as a feather and your wings poised for flight, homing in on your center of gravity that is with you wherever you go. Be innocent as doves and little children whose eyes behold the wonder of the world without need of explanation." Be innocent as doves who look upon people with love and trust and even expectation. Be innocent as doves who do not sow or reap or hoard things in barns, but walk through life with fists unclenched and arms outstretched. Be innocent as doves by living as those who dare to believe that blessing is true in the face of those who would rather you forget it. Be wise as serpents by being aware of our human potential to do wrong. Be innocent as doves by encouraging our human potential to do good. Where you miss the mark, as surely you will, see it as an opportunity to know your faults more clearly, to become aware of something you may have needed to know, and allow that new wisdom to draw you closer to God and others. Sin can separate, but it can also turn us around. Now, you might be wondering, Pastor Megan, why all of a sudden are you talking about sin and evil? Well, when we think about God's kingdom coming to earth, isn't that what we're praying for? That we would not be brought under the allures of those things that cause evil to take root in our hearts, but instead focus on the grace, love, mercy, and compassion of Jesus Christ. And as I think about finding wisdom, growing in wisdom and faith, I think about learning from those who are not, who have not been listened to, who have been ignored and oppressed from the beginning of our time as a nation. We wonder, where is God? Well, God is at the Black Lives Matter protest and inviting us there too. God is in the first aid tents after protesters are shot with rubber bullets and tear gassed. God is calling out to us in the voices of our black, indigenous, and people of color brothers and sisters. You might ask me now, Pastor Megan, didn't Jesus die for everyone? Don't all lives matter? And I've heard this a lot. But I saw on the Facebook page of my friend, Pastor Aaron Fuller, who grew up just down the highway at Baltimore Lutheran Church, the best answer I've seen to this question so far. Instead of saying all lives matter, Jesus said Samaritan lives matter. Instead of saying all lives matter, Jesus said children's lives matter. Instead of saying all lives matter, Jesus said Gentile lives matter. Instead of saying all lives matter, Jesus said Jewish lives matter. Instead of saying all lives matter, Jesus said women's lives matter. And instead of saying all lives matter, Jesus said lepers' lives matter. Yes, Jesus loves everyone, even to the point of dying for our sins. And he also went out of his way to intentionally help specific groups of people, the alienated, the mistreated, and those facing injustice. So saying Black Lives Matter and participating in a movement that seeks justice, positive reform, and empowerment is one of the most Christ-like things that we can do. Where we can be wise as serpents and innocent as doves, To bring the kingdom into these systems of power that have been oppressive to our brothers and sisters. Greg Carey, another commentary author, writes that Matthew's gospel invites us to see the church. That's all of us in the story of the disciples. Here the disciples imitate Jesus who not only proclaims the realm of heaven but demonstrates its nature. When the realm of heaven is near, healing and liberation take place. Don't we want to be part of that? I do. In the disciples, the church finds itself cast into the world, taking Jesus' message beyond his instructions into surprising new context. Wherever people are being alienated, mistreated, and facing injustice, God is there and invites us there 2. And with a promise anticipating the very end of the gospel, Jesus reminds his followers then and now to not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. In the very midst of trial and difficulty and persecution, those obedient to Jesus' mission will be equipped and empowered with God's very own presence. Jesus says at the end of this gospel, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have not yet reached the end of the age. So let us be encouraged and equipped by this word of God to go out into the world and bring the kingdom of God closer and closer to one another, ourselves, but more importantly, our neighbors of every color, of every race, of every nation. The Spirit strengthens us for this work, and it is good work that we are called to. Thanks be to God. Amen.